Okay, so w- let's get this thing started, can we? You can turn in your Bibles or you can follow us on the message notes with the QR code. Uh, Matthew 7, 24, we're gonna, that's where we're going to start. But before we do that, let me say this. There are two types of, types of people in the world. Two, only two. <laughs> there are people who carefully follow instructions. How many people carefully follow instructions? But then there are people who decide to wing it, to play it by ear, to go with the flow. Mm-hmm. They want freedom. Let me know if this sounds familiar. You have a very important meeting, and you are kind of running late, but if you time the stoplights perfectly, you may make it on time. You're following your map on the GPS, right? You're following it all, and then your phone dies. You don't have a charger with you. You're lost without a plan. The meeting goes up in smoke. Maybe you're throwing a birthday party for one of your kids, and you're building a whole theme around a character of a movie. Let's say it's uh, the Minions, all right? The cake is supposed to turn out like this, right? But you decide to do things on your own, and your cake turns out like this. Totally my kind of cake right there, but not quite as good as the other one. Or maybe you love your cat. Do you have any cat lovers in the room? So you want to make a special cat entrance to your door, right? So you, so you cut out a little thing, only you forgot to make sure the hole was on the right end of the door, and it turns out like this. I know, so sad, isn't it? The truth is there are many reasons why we don't follow the plan. (laughs) Our own impatience, our stress, right? Our our laziness. Sometimes we think we know better. Or we don't even know how in the first place, so we just wing it. Even if you're a planner, there are times in your life when you try to do things your own way, out of your own ideas, out of our own perceived expertise, In the construction world, they have something called blueprints. Everybody say blueprints. A blueprint now, I didn't know this, I had to look this up, is a reproduction of a technical drawing or engineering drawing first introduced by Sir John Herschel in 1842. It it was used as a a contact print process on on light sensitive sheets. And so... This one that you're looking at is from 1902. And so uh, the process allowed rapid and accurate production of unlimited numbers of copies. Today, it's a word that we use for construction plans. Construction plans, they are supremely important. If you think about it, you got dimensions, you have specifications, you have details, uh, exact measurements of whatever is being built. Electrical engineers, structural engineers, architects, designers of all kinds, they meet to to understand what the building's purpose is going to be. And then using the skills in harmony, they start to combine and collaborate all aspects aspects of their expertise. They design a building to accomplish the purpose for which it was intended. But what would happen if the builder decided not to follow 
the blueprint. Any construction guys in here? What would happen if they thought just, you know, they know better than the master architect. You know, it's going to really be better this way. What if the trades people just decided, you know, it says this, but we need to do it the way it needs to be done. I know how to do this. What happens is there's mistakes. There ends up being wrong dimensions, incorrect orders, frustrations, wastes of time, waste of money. You might get fired. You might damage your reputation. You might lose future income. In a similar way, God has plans for us to live free. He has a kind of blueprint for freedom. And when we decide that we know best or get rid of the plan and, or don't consult the plan or just decide to do whatever, worse, maybe we just, we just totally throw ourselves out there, playing it by ear, we often end up in trouble. We end up feeling trapped, feeling hopeless, even stuck in a cycle that we feel like we can't get out of. You see a lot of people like this. Jesus spoke to this blueprint's idea with the wise and foolish builders in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. If you want to follow along on the message notes, I encourage you to do that. But here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So put into practice the words of Jesus, he says, and you end up safe, secure, free, from the effects of the storm. Don't put into practice the words of Jesus and we end up fearful, unstable, enslaved to the whims of the storm. When we first develop a relationship with God, now, many of you have probably been there, but I think it's easy to think that all of our problems are solved. I met Jesus. No more problems. Of course, Anyone who's lived a little knows that that is not the case. That we continue to carry some baggage into that relationship with Jesus. We all bring our history of hurts, of habits, of wounded yesterdays into our new relationship with Jesus. And so following the blueprints for freedom, they can get complicated. Even as a, a believer, even as a Jesus follower. At salvation, of course, you know, we, you, you remember maybe when you met Jesus for the first time, some of you? Some of you maybe haven't met him, but here's what happens when you meet him. There is an instant relief. The weight of sin is so heavy. The weight of trying to do everything on your own is so heavy. So there's an instant relief, but then we start working out our salvation. This is how the Apostle Paul puts it. In Philippians 2, 11 through 13, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Here's the truth. You will change and transform over time. It doesn't all happen instantaneously. It doesn't all happen like that. There's a continuation of God's work in us to be free from our past, and we got to work this out with a healthy respect, with a healthy sense of fear and trembling that God is at work, and he has more things that he wants us to do. He, wants, he has more things he wants to do in us, and he has a bunch of things he wants you to do to help others. And so it's a It's this process that's going on, but I want you to notice verse 13. Look at it. It says, for it is God who works in you. Who's working? God's working. It's not all up to you. It is God who works in you to will. Everybody say will. And to act. Say act. The will and the act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the crazy thing. God wants to help you not only do what's right. He doesn't just want you to act right. People get nervous when I say it, but God's not just interested in obedience. What? I don't know if you realize this, but the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and all the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they were really into precisely obeying every part of the law. He wasn't very happy with them. Because their hearts were far from him. God's interested in something deeper than just your obedience. But here's the miracle of this verse. This verse says that God starts to work in you to help you want to. He's working with your will. He's helping you reshape your will when you surrender it to him. He starts to help you with your want to. Instead of a have to, you get a want to. Instead of a got to, you have a get to. I get to do this. He changes our very will. And if you never get that, if you never understand that God is trying to help you want to obey, Christianity can be really mean. Just be really heavy. It can be really hard. I mean, life is hard enough. Jesus is the one who said, I want you, if you're tired, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. This is the kind of thing he was talking about. And, and there's something that I think we have to see about God's character and his nature here. It's kind of like raising kids. Like my wife and I, Amy, we have five kids. Here they are. They're beautiful. This is Taylor. He got married. Oh, thank you. That's great. Uh, yeah, she did most of the work, so that's... Um, the... Uh, Taylor is the middle one, and Nicole is his, his new wife. They got married in October. And my kids, I, I, I really love them. I, I'm so proud of them. That I, I know all their flaws. I know, I, I saw them grow up. And many of their flaws looked exactly like my flaws for some reason. I have this theory that uh, God gives you kids so that he can put your characteristics in them times 10. And then you, you get to learn yeah, about who you really are. But I'm, I'm, I, I trained my kids. We trained our kids. We worked with them all their lives. You know, the, the oldest one now is 29. <clears throat> we have a couple grandkids now. And 
And now the youngest one is 17. And all of them at one point we thought, are they just not smart enough? Or I don't know. They can't quite get it. Or like, like they just won't do what we tell them to do. They just want to, no, they want to do whatever they want to do. Listen, it is implicit in us. It is, it is this thing that we're born with. We want to do what we want to do. But I watch them grow, and I'm watching them become adults. And they're not perfect by any stretch. They, got, they, they all have to work out their own salvation, fear, and trembling, right? But what I'm watching and what is so beautiful is when you see that they've moved from a have to, and now they want to. They, 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 they're not going to church because they have to because they were the son or daughter of a pastor, which you know how pastor's kids go. They either go this way or that way. There's not many in here. And I'm so thankful for how God has met my kids. But I think it's part of how we tried to raise them. We tried to train them really well. But the love that we have in our family that's shared with them, the love that, that, that they share with us now has them changing their minds about how smart their parents are. You know, they all go through a season where they don't think you're very smart. And, and then they come around somewhere in their 20s. Hey, I think they know what they were talking about. Listen, just because we're saved, rescued by God, awakened to the love of God himself in Jesus, that does not mean that we are living in the freedom that he wants for us. It can take time. Listen, I'm getting old. I, am, I, 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 have, I have thought many times as I've gotten older, I just had a birthday in February, and I was like, shouldn't I be better than this by now? You know that feeling like I'm, I'm still working out stuff, stuff in here. Maybe not as much stuff in here. There's more stuff in here. God is working things out in our lives all through our lives. John 8, 31 says, if you hold to my teaching, Jesus says, you are truly, really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will... What does it say? He was trying to solve was that there was a separation between God and people. God dealt with sin decisively by the blood of Jesus. Don't ever doubt that. His sacrificial love on a cross, that's something to get excited about. Because it is the, the key to your freedom. Because of this, we are not enslaved to our emotions or our temptations or our sinful desires. But the problem he was trying to solve was distance. He wanted relationship with you. He's not fixated on your sin. And you shouldn't be either. Now, sin is damaging, for sure. God wants to take it from you. Jesus made it so you never really have to do it on your own, ever. You don't have to deal with your sin by yourself, ever. The relationship that God wants with us, the relationship he's given us in Jesus, the relationship by the Holy Spirit, the way we, we are with God in his presence here today as we worshiped, God filling this room with his presence, he's with us and that revelation is so important but the reason he's with us because he loves you he wants to be with you and that's why i love this verse from the apostle paul now really look at this 
Are you still with me? Second Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I want you to open your mind and your heart to this scripture. Because it has incredible implications. Because the Holy Spirit holds the secret to your freedom and my freedom. Finding freedom is an important journey for every one of us. Walking in it because we all have baggage. Freedom from the slavery of our sin. Freedom from the failure of our past. Freedom from the hurtful violations of other people that have wounded us. Freedom from our foolish habits, our patterns, our addictions, unforgiveness, bitterness, freedom from whatever has a grip on your heart. That's an important journey you and I are taking. So I want you to remember and I want you to memorize this axiom. Here it is. Freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. I just want you to keep that up there for a minute. I want you to let that sink into you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think the Bible teaches not only that God wants to be with us, but that Jesus did something especially unique in sending us his spirit. You can read it through the book of Acts. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, now that I'm alive again, he, he's resurrected from the dead. And you could imagine the, the disciples are like, let's go tell everybody. This is incredible. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, wait, wait, don't go. Not time to go. I want you to wait for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I want you to wait. And then you will find that the Spirit begins to dwell in you. Jesus told his disciples the spirit would be with you and he would be in you. And he would remind you of everything that Jesus said. That's, that's Bible I just quoted right there. We didn't read it, but that's Bible I'm saying to you. And, and, and when you realize that that is what this is about, that freedom is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone, this is profound. Because most people think about freedom from the perspective of bondage, not necessarily a good perspective. If the prisoner thinks of freedom as the absence of the bars, he is mistaken. Because the bars are there for a good reason. Something has happened. If we think of freedom as the absence of anger, the absence of depression, the absence of addiction, we're already trapped. We're already stuck because we are fixated on those things. Are you with me? The Bible defines freedom very differently. We think the freedom... That freedom is the absence of bad habits, the absence of wrong thoughts, the absence of emotional states. If only I could get rid of these things, then I could be truly free. But if we're seeking the absence of things, then we're focused on the things that we're trying to get rid of. Instead of trying to get closer to the one who can set us free. It is proximity that matters with God. You get closer to him, you'll walk in greater freedom. He comes closer to you so you can walk in freedom. That is what we have to get because sin is not a problem for him. Jesus settled that issue. And yet, we can still do all kinds of things that create distance between us and God.
Freedom is the confident state of heart and mind which comes from knowing that Jesus is with me and for me by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? When I become, I keep asking you that because you're a lot quieter than the first service. When I become convinced that God is present and active in my life, and that is no matter what circumstances I'm facing, no matter what scenarios are on display in my life, no matter what's happening, I can rely on his nearness and his presence with me. And when I feel that, when I experience that, when I, when I activate that presence by faith, I experience profound freedom. You can experience profound freedom. That's why Peter, in jail, in a jail cell, could experience enough that he could fall asleep. And when he woke up, there's a giant angel beside him. And you know what God did? He broke him out. You, 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 you see Joseph in the Old Testament. He was in prison for a long time. We like to just read the story like, oh, he got in prison, and then he got out. No, he's like in there for two years or more. He was like crying out to God, where am I? But you know what happened? In prison, Joseph knew God was with him. And so he took care of the other prisoners. He became really impressive. He served the needs of other people. People saw his impressive nature and gave him responsibility in prison. He was influential in prison. Why? Because God was with him. He was, he was sure of it. When you know that he is with you and for you, there's really nothing that can hold you prisoner. Not fear, not failure, not foolishness, not, not anything that come, can come against you and enslave you. Sometimes it takes faith to believe that he's near. But look at the next verse, all right? Verse Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I love this passage. Let's just break it down a little bit. He says, we, we, you are, you, you, all of you have unveiled faces. What's he talking about? Moses, he's talking about Moses. He's talking about Moses being on Mount Sinai. He's talking about Moses coming down off the mountain after meeting with God, and his face was shining. And it kind of freaked all the Israelites out, and so he put a veil over it so they wouldn't weird out. Okay, Paul says that his, when his face was beaming, radiating with God's presence, that it was starting to fade away. And he uses it as kind of a literary idea for the Old Testament. The Old Covenant is now fading away, and there's a new covenant, a New Testament that is being ushered in through Jesus. Are you with me? I saw some of your eyes glaze over as I started to go into Old Testament <laughs> history. So, so he says, he says you, you, you're, we're not keeping our faces veiled. We're letting everybody see the work of Christ. I find that people who come to church don't let other people see the work of Christ. Why? We wear a mask at church sometimes. We always present our best self, don't we? Why do we do that? We don't want them to think we're idiots. I don't want you to think I'm dumb. So we hide. Listen, what God has called us to is a vulnerability that is unveiling. Let other people see the messiness of your freedom process. That's part of the, that's part of the way freedom is won, is you let other people in on it. You guys get this? Okay, I'm speeding ahead now. 
I'm not going to spend too much time on this. He let, we contemplate his glory. In other words, we're not the source of all the glory. God is. Like, if we're, we're, he's the sun. We're the moon. We're only seen because he's shining on us. We're transformed. Everybody say transformed. Into his likeness with ever increasing. We're transformed with a little bit of glory and then a little bit more, 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 and it just continues to grow all your life. That's the journey. Don't be discouraged with what you have now. God wants to add to it. Which comes from the Lord. He's the only one who is the Spirit. So we see here that freedom is essentially a relational process. It's a relational process with God. But it's not just a relational process with God. It's also a relational process with other people. Which is why Jesus said in Mark 12, 29, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? You guys, most of you probably know it. He said, and you love, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's quoting the Old Testament again in Deuteronomy. And he, and he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He, he said both. He said, you love God, and you let his love flow in your life, and then you love other people, and you, you let the love of God flow out of you into those people. And I think, I want to suggest to you that when we do this, it is the most simplest, most fundamental and foundational key to following the blueprint of freedom. It's the foundational part of the blueprint. If you don't get this right, you won't get all the other stuff right. Next week, we're going to talk about demons. You won't, give, you won't understand how the demon thing works if you don't understand that God wants to be with you and he loves you deeply and that your love is supposed to flow into other people because your love flowing into other people actually changes you. God's love through you changes you. Other people loving you changes you. That's the community of love that we are. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 5.13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Band, why don't you guys come up? But do not use your freedom what? To, to what? To indulge in what? The flesh. Look at it. He says, he says, don't indulge for yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that our spiritual freedom is not only for us, but God's counting on it flowing to others, that you're going to help them be spiritually free. Freedom is not something we accomplish on our own. God works in our lives, and others work in our lives. Later on down in Galatians 5, he says this famous little passage about the fruit of the Spirit. Look at what it says. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what we always want to do? We want to control everybody else. I want you to realize that self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. God wants you to be able to control yourself. Oh, it's really hard, isn't it? Try fasting. Are you guys fasting? Some of you are. I want to encourage you to fast because it develops if you do it by faith. If you try to do it to be seen by other people, it really, it's really painful. It doesn't really work. If you try to do it to impress God, it doesn't work at all. 
But if you fast by faith as a way of surrendering your life to Jesus, something starts to happen inside you. There's a process that begins to happen here. He says, against such things there is no law. And then he says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, watch this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You can go ahead. With its passions and desires. This, these verses indicate that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. But you got to know that the way the Holy Spirit works in you is fundamentally about, it's fundamentally about how we respond to and treat other people. Your level of spiritual freedom is measured by these things, by the way you interact with people. Someone mistreated you, someone was mean to you, somebody at work was cheating, somebody, somebody did something that offended you. The people who are easily offended do not have freedom operating in their lives. And that might be you today. And, and listen, if it is, it's okay. You got that way for a reason. I don't know what all the reasons are, but I know Jesus can help you get free from that. You probably heard the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But there's a, there's, a, there's a third phrase, and are easily hurt by others. If you, if you have hurt in your life, and it's easy for other people when they start to interact with you to touch it, and they, ah, you react. God wants to make us all spiritually free. He wants us to, be, to have his freedom operating in our lives. And relationships, we've talked about our relationship with God, we've talked about our relationship with each other. Relationships are the method. They're the method that God uses to produce freedom in your life. And they're also the measurement system to see if you're really free. They're the method and the measurement, the same thing. So in a sense, the hurts and relational wounds become useful in crucifying your flesh. Do you know that you, you this, this verse says you, those who belong to Christ Jesus have done what? Have crucified. So you've got to crucify yourself. So you ever tried to crucify yourself? Can't crucify yourself, can you? takes others. It takes another person to come alongside you. It takes another person to lovingly and gently help you see what you must put to death. Or it takes the idiot work at work who keeps irritating you and keeps you so miserable that you finally say, okay, Jesus, I give him to you. And that guy that idiot at work helps you crucify your flesh. Do you see it? People never walk out their freedom alone. Two obvious places to grow in freedom at one chapel. One is in a small group. 
because not everybody in that small group is going to be like you. You're going to have to learn how to like each other. No, you don't have to like them, but you have to love them. Reminds me of a friend who used to say, you know, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you, but as for me, I can't stand you. It's not true. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God is working in you and me to love each other and to love this world. To love other people in our neighborhoods. And it is, that's what is the test of spiritual maturity. Can you love people well? You can be on a team here in our church. Being on a team is painful because your team leader isn't always going to have it all together. I don't know why. We're working on it. No, it's because they're human. It's because they have, a ba- they have bad days too, and sometimes they, it lands on Sunday. You're not the only one who shows up here grumpy. Listen, I want us to be free. This, I want you to consider, if you're not in a small group over these next several weeks, I want you to get in a group because we're going to talk about this every week. So would you just maybe open your hands up toward heaven? We're going to sing. We're going to worship together here as our final act of worship. And I want you to just let God meet you where he needs to. 